Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text is Ephesians 5, 6 through 21. Let us begin with prayer. O most holy God, awaken us from our sleep by the light of your Son, Christ Jesus, to know who we are as he is in us and we are in him. Grant us eyes that are open to the light of truth and the strength to speak that truth to those that are tragically stuck in darkness and sin with the realization that we too are never far from the same temptations. May your Holy Spirit protect and guard us from temptation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. These are the words of Ephesians 14. How many times have you been told to wake up? I heard it a lot as a kid. I was a bit of a daydreamer. Probably still am. At least, that is what Mrs. Scanlon, my third grade teacher, thought. Wake up is what she would tell me to do as I stared off out the window of the classroom with my mind far away. My father had the same problem with me, most often on the occasions when he needed my help. It often involved some project in the dark and a flashlight that I was to keep pointed at an electrical connection he was messing with in an area of the house with the lights out. Wake up, I need the light over here. Possibly you have nudged your spouse in the middle of the night. Wake up, roll over. You're snoring, I can't sleep. I've never heard that one myself. <laughs> Soon, possibly even now, your car will be telling you in some way to wake up. The technology is there that when you're dozing off and your chin is falling or your eyes are closing, the car will make a noise or vibrate the seat to wake you up. In all of these, we are to wake up, and it is for some good purpose. Pay attention in class. Keep dad from wiring something wrong and setting the house on fire. Getting a good night's sleep. And in the last case, your car keeping you from killing yourself or someone else when you fall asleep at the wheel. In our epistle lesson, Paul is telling the members of the church in Ephesus, wake up. And for good reason. They are to be aware of who they are as members of the body of Christ and not live as they did in the past when they were in darkness, asleep and unawares. He has warned them concerning sensual and sexual sins that had often had to do with worship of idols and pagan rituals. His warning is interesting on two fronts. One, that it had to take place at all. Two, that it is recorded in scriptures and still being heard by Christians today. It had to take place because they were tempted, turning to darkness and needing to be woken up. They were being tempted and drawn back to the lifestyle they had before they were baptized and brought into the light of Christ. No doubt, it was difficult. They probably still had the same occupations and jobs, the same friends, the same families. Within all these groups, there were unbelievers. Unbelief was all around them. It is the gracious will of God that none be lost. And Paul was calling those in the church back to the way they had been taught by him and that he had been taught 
by Christ himself. They were living their lives asleep, forgetting their identity they had been given in Christ and falling back into the sins they were to leave behind. They were losing sight of who they were. If we could possibly know what it would be like to be the true sinless creatures God intended us to be, possibly how would this life we live now look? Have you ever had a really weird dream? At first, it was all good and fine, really a nice dream. Then it begins to fall apart, and your panic caught between the falseness or error of the dream and what you know to be true, even as you were still sleeping and waking up. Let's say you had a dream that you were on a date with someone you knew from college or high school. It was a great date. He or she was a good person, and you've had a good time. You really have good memories. Then all of a sudden, as you come out of your slumber, you remember you're married with kids, and you're on a date with a person from college, and your spouse is going to be devastated. Your marriage is going to be ruined. It's truly a nightmare. You continue to wake up in a fog of uncertainty as to what was real and what was the dream. And you're stumbling awake telling yourself, wake up, this is not who I am. Our lives kind of look that way to the holy, justified, baptized child of God that is in us. This life is backward and upside down as that dream or a similar one you may have. It just makes no sense. It is not who we are. This is why we need to read and hear what Paul says. Paul tells them and us that in verse in verse 5-8, at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. The word given to Paul by the Holy Spirit, now, encompasses the most epic event in all human history, and it, is an impact, and it has an impact on our lives as baptized Christians. In human historical terms, Christ in his suffering and death atoned for your deeds of darkness and those of all God created, all men, women, children, even infants. All the deeds of darkness are atoned for, the sins of homosexuality, lust, idolatry, covetousness, theft, murder. Run down the whole list of Ten Commandments in your head if you like. Number one is, we fail to fear, love, and trust God above all else in all things and at all times. We reverence and love things, idols, and worship them versus God. All of that has been atoned for. And what does that mean? What does it look like? All of our dark deeds have been laid on Jesus and nailed to the cross on which he innocently suffered our punishment. The debt we owed for our darkness and sin is paid and set aside to be remembered no more. In human historical terms, the resurrection of Jesus shows that the payment Jesus made was pleasing and sufficient to God the Father. He did the work that was impossible for us. He lived among us, lived a sinless life, 
and took our punishment and was sacrificed for our sins. And His resurrection shows it was fully acceptable to God the Father. In no other Old Testament sacrifice for sin did the creature sacrificed come back from the dead. It died a cursed, a permanent death. In your and my personal history, in our, bat, in our holy baptism, God made us alive and given us the light of Christ and made us alive in Him and dead to our sins and their eternal effect. We no longer will experience a permanent death and separation from God. We are alive in Christ and will share in a resurrection like His, a glorious resurrection on the last day. In Ephesians 5.8, Paul writes, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. This is an indicative statement. It states a fact, telling us who we really are now. We are able to wake up to that reality and live it. Just as you might wake up from a dream and know that you are not the person in the dream, and you don't live that way, nor want to. We are to know there is a spirit alive in us, and we are implored with an imperative statement not to live to the wills of our dead flesh, flesh that has been put to death in baptism and that will live eternally with Christ our Lord. It is His possession, not our own, and we should care for it. He died for it. Christ's arms were stretched out. His hands were nailed to the cross for the shedding of His blood so our sins could be forgiven. Should we, in turn, use what He has redeemed, our bodies, our hands, and ways of darkness that do not honor our Lord. As Jesus was tempted, struck, and cursed, He chose to seal His mouth, and He obeyed His Father's will, meekly, like a lamb, suffering for our sins. Rather than, with power beyond our imagination, defend His complete innocence in the face of the lies told about Him. Should we in turn open our mouths and sin against God and our neighbor with words unbecoming of the light of Christ that is in us? Paul tells us, wake up, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Spirit. It is this Spirit of light that is in us. He goes on, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. Dear friends in Christ, we will be tempted, yes. The devil wants nothing more than for us to be sleepers, living in a strange dream in which all we do is okay and just, just doesn't matter in the grand eternal scheme of things. But God, our Heavenly Father, has given His Son so that by His Spirit that is alive in us, we would wake up to the realization that the strange dream is really a nightmare that has been set straight by the blood of Christ. It is Christ in our baptism that has determined who we are now, it is the power of Christ in us that strengthens and preserves us as we fight to always wake up, stay awake, and fight temptation to the glory of Christ that is in us. It is in that same power of Christ that forgives us when we fall short. Wake up 
and repent of our sins. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Most holy God, awaken us from our sleep by the light of your Son, Christ Jesus, to know who we are, as he is in us and we are in him. Grant us eyes that are opened to the light of truth and the strength to speak that truth to those who are tragically stuck in darkness and sin with the realization that we are never far from the same temptations. May your Holy Spirit protect and guard us from temptation. In the name of Jesus, amen.